Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Quick uh, public service announcement over the next few weeks. If you are a longtime CCer, um, the nine still has room, and so I want to encourage some of you to move in that direction, and we'll keep adding seats here. But if you, you know, get up early enough, which I assume most of you do, if you've got kids, you're up at 3 a.m., um, the 9 a.m. is, if you're a long-timer, a great place to go um, over these next weeks. So in 1938, specifically October the 30th, there was an incident that threw the United States specifically, and it was, I mean, it's been, I think, over-exaggerated over the years, but historically, threw large sections of the country into panic where people were absolutely, like, losing their minds. To the point of, like, that night, October 30th, 1938, people were jumping off of bridges in certain instances. They were getting their kids um, in the car as quickly as they possibly could and driving them off into, like, a remote area to hide. Um, they were hiding in basements. Like, they were terrified for their life. And all the while, they're listening to news updates on the radio, which was their only means really of like news and updates, hearing about what was happening, national monuments falling, the militaries being confronted, and they, like, they're legit thinking like the world is over. And you know Christians during that time, like Christians always do, they'll turn anything into end times. So they're like, Jesus is coming back, it's the end times. Uh, Christians are um, just notorious for that. So everybody, man, they were terrified, losing their minds around something that was not true. None of it was true. In fact, what they were losing their minds about and terrified over was that Martians had invaded the United States and they were finally taking over. Like this, and this is before Independence Day, but they, they were just losing their minds that this is it, this is the end of the world, the Martians are finally coming to stake their claim and we're all gonna die and none of it was true. In fact, many of you maybe know the story. It was, uh, it was the H.G. Wells uh, War of the Worlds and it was Orson Welles' radio program and they constructed it, probably without thinking about it, as live radio news broadcasts and so people would tune in late, and rather than think, maybe we should get more information on it, they immediately jumped to, the Martians have invaded, and all of like, the world is going to end. And there was, like, there was a ton of panic. I mean, people ended their lives that night because of this radio program. And you look back at that, if you've heard the story, and you're like, man, how could they be so insane? Now, some of you are like, have you seen the recent pictures? Like, that's coming for us. So I get that. <laughs> but like, for most of us, like, I mean, at that level, to just believe that, you know, and, and do some of the things that they did. Like, that's just incredible. How could they believe that? How insane. And then you fast forward. I mean, you know, especially over the last couple of years. And I don't know, like, if we're that different. I mean, one of the, like, disturbing slash funny things I love to do is watch TikToks or memes or reels of things that have been completely debunked over the last couple of years, just complete lies, false information that people believed and everybody's got that friend, right? And over the last five years, you didn't know you had that friend. You're like, whoa, you're in my friend group. <laughs> oh, you're in my family. I didn't even know. 
And it's, they start an argument with, well, I read on Facebook <laughs> or on Twitter. I mean, like everybody knows it's there and, and it's a real threat and no, nobody's immune. I mean, a few years ago, like one of the big fears was catfishing. If you know what I'm talking about, like somebody pretending to be who they weren't online and like that's a big deal. Now there's the legit fear of artificial intelligence. Some of you are on chat GPT, which I love by the way. Um, and, but there's false information anywhere. I mean, there's the real like, you know, fear of deep fakes, which have already happened and people share them and they believe them and they think it's true. In fact, just to prove this point real quick, I had um, Jake who's on our staff work this up real quick. Here's, here's one um, real quick of me with Tom Brady at the Super Bowl. <laughs> and you share this enough times and people are just like, oh, that's amazing. How did you get on the field during the Super Bowl? Like, and it's like, well, it's no big deal. I'm there. It's kind of cool. I'm with Tom Brady. No, it's not. I hate Patriots fans. I don't want this circulated anywhere. <laughs> and then I asked him to come up with it. We actually were gonna go much more serious. I'm like, that's too close to home. Like, nobody needs to see me, you know, behind bars. There's a lot of religious trauma already. So and this is the other one that he came up with right here. <laughs> and some of you are like, what's the big deal? <laughs> I've never been on this stage in a Cowboys hoodie ever. And God loves you if you're a Cowboys fan, but I've made it really clear. I think you are the most annoying fan base in the NFL. I'm not even sorry. So anyway, like, but in all seriousness, wrong person, wrong hands, wrong time. I mean, this is the real fear. It creates an international crisis. I mean, all that stuff is real. And like, there's just fake stuff everywhere, lies everywhere, misinformation everywhere. And it doesn't matter kind of where you're coming from, your perspective or background. That's just kind of true. And nobody is immune. One of the things I thought was fascinating was a book um, called The Persuaders that came out recently. And it talks about this whole dynamic because there's, again, it's everywhere. And a lot, of it, a lot of it obviously is politically motivated. But in this book, they talked about this thing called the Internet Research Agency. Maybe some of you have heard of this, the IRA that is out of St. Petersburg, Russia. And this is the thing that you can go look up for your own and you can get the book. But their whole job is they'll work like 12 hours a day just managing fake social media accounts. And this is just one of example of so, so many. But 12 hours a day, and, and just within the course of writing and publishing this book, you know, it takes a little while, but it's, it's months. Just within the course of this book, they estimated that these, these individuals had had about 76 million engagements on the Facebook 183 million likes on Instagram, about 10 million tweets or retweets on Twitter. And most of it, or a lot of it, I mean, just verifiable, just outright misinformation, just lies. This is the scary part. That people are believing and resharing and reposting, and can you believe this? And it's just, it's everywhere. And, and the point that I wanna make is, everybody is vulnerable to this, and here is what I would argue about human nature, and this is, again, this is just everybody. It doesn't matter if you have faith, don't have faith, Jesus, no Jesus, is that we were not wired, and we were not created to live in a world where we don't know what to trust. We were not wired that way. And in fact, there's two big dynamics at play that makes all of us vulnerable. And this includes you, this includes me. And the first one is this. We do not, not like as human beings uncertainty and fear, right? Like nobody does. If anybody says they love it, they're lying. Nobody likes uncertainty and fear. And in an information age where we have access to basically everything in the world at our fingertips, we are less comfortable with uncertainty than ever before. 
In fact, we want an answer to everything. We want to fill in all the gaps. We want to connect all of the dots. And I think that's worse than any other time. There's a lot of people who've spoken to that. And then simultaneously, we're more aware of everything that there is to fear than ever before. Because you know everything that's happening all over the world at any point. And that uncertainty and that fear plays on us of like, we've got to fill in the gaps. And then the other side of it, here's what we like. We like control and security. Like we want to know, okay, what's the right thing to trust? What's the right thing to believe? Who's right? What's right? How does this make sense? Or how does it make sense to me? And so in some cases, we're not meaning to, but with so much misinformation and social media algorithms and what's true and what's right, and I want control and security, and I don't like fear and, and uncertainty, that we will, we will fall prey to the trap of actually finding something to believe or finding something to trust, even if it's a lie, even if it's not true. And nobody means to, but it's ultimately just the direction that we go. And so for everybody, specifically in our culture right now, it means that you and it means that me, we are vulnerable to believing lies. And if you don't get anything else out of this series, I just want to convince you of that. And then you can just go your way, not do anything that I say. I mean, some of you don't do that, you know, every other series that I do anyway, so that's, that's fine. You're not a Jesus follower and you're trying to figure it out. You've got questions. I'm so happy you're investigating via radio, online, or in the house. So you can do whatever you want with it. I just want to convince you of this, maybe if nothing else, that you are vulnerable, that I am vulnerable to believing lies, And falling into the trap, and this is what's kind of scary, of basing decisions in our life or a direction in our life or priorities in our life. This is where like all the stuff out there is, you know, not as relevant as how it affects your life. You have the potential to do some things and make some decisions based on things that aren't even true. And here's the thing for all of us, I say this all the time, but you have crystal clear insight into other people's stupidity. (laughs) Am I right? That's just not I'm, not, I'm not making fun. That's just true. All of us do it. We, like, we look at somebody else like, they're stupid. That's not, that's not right. I can't believe they think that's a good idea. But we never see it when it comes to us. And we've got our own track record of that. Like, well, this is marriage number four, but it's going to be different than one, two, and three, even though I haven't changed anything. Or despite everything that I've been told, and I would never recommend to a friend 24 months of no payments at 30% interest, it's gonna work out great for us. Or all the other things. Or like, I can, I can ignore this thing in terms of like forgiveness and I'm being eaten away at bitterness, but somehow it's not gonna follow me into the next season. Or I can keep a secret and my secret's gonna be safe and it's not, like all of the things we just convince ourselves of that we're okay and we're making decisions ultimately based off of lies, and we don't even see it. We see it in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves. And then we look back and go, how could I have been so stupid? Like, this is how you know some of what I'm saying is true, even if you don't believe any of the God thing. How could I have done that? How could I have believed that? And we've all had those circumstances in our life. And what I would argue is this, that every avoidable regret, and there's a bunch of unavoidable regrets, by the way, that you don't have anything to do with. It's just a world is broken. But the unavoidable regrets... I would make the case that almost all of them came from a lie that you believed. And that lie led to a decision. And that decision led to a direction. And that direction led to some outcomes in your life. But it all originated with basing something on something that wasn't actually reality. And that's the thing, honestly, for I'll just speak for me. Because I don't know what you think about any of this. I know me. And I know how susceptible I am to this. And I can look back, even if you're not willing to go first to be honest in church, 
I can look back at multiple seasons and, and be unbelievably just like amazed at my capacity to believe lies and convince myself of lies or create narratives that I try to like appease my conscience with. And the whole thing was based on something that wasn't real. And so for the next couple of weeks, here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk about how we kind of move toward finding reliable information in a world that is filled with misinformation, filled with lies. And oftentimes, the nature of deception, we just don't see it. And I want to talk about around those, those large questions in life, the questions that kind of, you know, it's the, the flow of all art and culture and philosophy and life and what's important. But the big questions of what is reality? Who am I? Because I, you may not know it now, but one of the huge lies that we believe that leads to everything else in our life is just lies about us. This is big. What makes me happy and what makes me free? And I would just argue, if you can answer those questions or find reliable information around what you're leaning into for the answer to those questions, it is the catalyst for everything else in your life. And so here's the thing. From the very beginning, the origin of creation, the whole idea of what do we trust, who do we trust, it was the big question. All starts back in Genesis where it talks about an enemy that enters the Garden of Eden. And even if you're not, you've been around the church, you, you probably know the story. And he begins to lie and he's been lying ever since. Now, here's my caveat. And some of you know this, you've been around here. Every time I mention Genesis, I know some of you immediately are like, dude, thought you were educated. Yeah, like you understand that that story starts with a talking snake, right? And I do. I do know that. And I think that um, ancient Middle Eastern individuals, they believed that t snakes didn't talk either. They were smart. But here's where I know that there's differences, and I get this. There's a ton of differences about, um, you know, whether Genesis is historical, whether Genesis is mythological, whether Genesis is metaphorical. I get all of that. But here's where I just, I wish somebody would have framed this for some of us. That's just a debate around genre of literature, I'm not interested in a debate around genre of literature. In fact, I would go so far as to say, regardless of where you land there, I actually don't think it takes away from the fact that God pointed to it as the meaning and the truth is legitimate for your life. And in fact, all throughout scripture, there's different genres of literature. The people that cherry pick scriptures and look like fools, it's generally because they don't understand it is different genres of literature included in a library. So wherever you land on that, I don't think it changes the meaning. And this is my you know, somewhat simplistic, though it's not my only reason, reason for this, somewhat simplistic view on, on why I take it seriously that you've heard me say a thousand times you've been around here, because Jesus referenced it, and Jesus predicted his own death, and then he said he was going to rise from the dead, and nobody was tracking with it until he rose from the dead, and then he anchored it, I think, in history, and if you're a skeptic, that's what you should study first, not the dinosaurs, but did Jesus rise from the dead? I think he did historically, and then he pointed to Genesis, so I say this all the time, but I, you're smart, seriously. Many of you are highly educated, but I'm going with the dead guy who came back to life every single time, and if he's like, I think Genesis is real, I'm just following that guy. I'm just taking him seriously. So I, I think that's the end. You don't have to believe that. I'm just saying that's what, that's what you should look at first. So in Genesis, with that longer than I was planning on set up, <laughs> Moses speaking to Israelites to kind of reintroduce them to their creator. And he basically describes why the world is the way it is. So you don't have to buy this explanation. But I think you've got to come to some kind of explanation. 
around why it is the way it is and what, what moral basis do we judge the rest of the world in all the chaos and even the, some of the things that we've done. Like, where does that come from? Moses describes it and basically tells us what is working against us in terms of all of creation. And so some of you know the story. If you're skeptical, totally get it. You don't have to do anything, but just don't tune me out. Just go with me all the way to the end. In Genesis 2.17, it says this. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you're gonna certainly die. And so God created a garden, one rule. I mean, just by the way, just quick, one rule. Don't eat it because I wanna prove that submission to God, trusting God and relationship with God is good. And I'm not gonna coerce you into that. I want you to choose it. But I'm making a huge point right from the beginning. Trust me, because I want that kind of relationship with you. And you know this just in terms of your life, your kids, your marriage, your first marriage and second marriage, is that there's no relationship without trust, right? And so he creates the tree. He's like, don't eat from it. And then you see this character show up that causes many of you to tune out, but stay with me. Now the serpent, literally accuser, slander, Satan, shows up and was more crafty. And I love this, perfect description. Subtle, deceptive, than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And then this is so important. And he said to the woman, and by the way, there's no gender distinction in Genesis, like people trying to make more of that than it is. It was both of them. There's a whole argument to be made there. So just stop with that. But she said to the woman, did, did God really say, are you, are you sure? Does that make sense to you, Eve? Does that make sense? Did God really say that you must not eat of any tree in the garden? And if I didn't know the end of the story, this is the part where I think, okay, well, if this is like, and maybe it's because I'm watching too much Star Wars this summer, but if, if I'm writing this story and this is like, this is the enemy, this is Satan, the accuser, the slander, this is the moment where like the music swells and he goes Indiana Jones and attacks Eve, right? And he's gonna subdue the garden and he's gonna rule and here we go. None of that happens. Because he doesn't attack with any of those means. He attacks subtly, deceptively. So important. He attacks with an idea. Because every single time the enemy, if you believe there is an enemy, and I think that there is, he's going to come and every bad decision that you've made actually stems from a deceptive idea that you have believed. This is why we are completely off a lot of times in the church about what we're paying attention to. Because all I hear is every Christian talking about, yeah, we got an enemy, the culture, the evil, the world that's against me. I can't, it's so hard to live out my faith. No, 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 no. You are your own worst enemy. Happy Sunday. Like you've let you down generally more than anybody else. You, you have undermined your own future, your own peace, your own happiness with your own ideas more than anybody else has. And we pay so much attention to out there. That's not what you should be concerned with. You should be concerned with what's in your own head. And there Eve is. And he like, he just plants it, just, just plants this, hey, um, are you sure God said that? Are you sure that that's right? Are you sure, this is a big one, are you sure that that makes sense? I mean, maybe, Eve, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you misinterpreted it. Maybe God's wrong. Maybe he's right about all the other stuff, but maybe he got this wrong. And so verse two, she's like, of course we may eat of the tree in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat because God said, it's so interesting, you must not eat it or even touch it. Eh, God didn't say that. 
but this is so important, already she had started to subtly believe a deceptive idea just enough that she is negatively reinterpreting what God has said. And God didn't even say that. This is what we do when we look at something and it, just, it, it doesn't make sense on the front end. And I'll talk about this in a minute, but we look at it, especially in terms of like following Jesus or following God and because it doesn't make sense, we have this idea of negative interpretation. God must be trying to take something from me rather than give something to me. I mean, the great lie of the Christian journey is that Jesus is an enemy to your joy, peace, and happiness rather than doing everything he can to give it to you. And there Eve is, and that's the lie of somehow God's holding out, somehow this is not like gonna be in my best interest. And so the enemy kind of sees an opening and he's like, if you do, um, you will die is how Eve interpreted what Jesus said, which that part was true, but the don't touch it wasn't true. And so verse four, here's what the serpent says because he sees an opening. Eve, you're not gonna die. God knows, verse five, that your eyes are gonna be opened. True. And as soon as you eat it, you're gonna be like God, knowing both what? And he's not wrong. He's, it's true but it's another deceptive idea planted in her mind that begins to move her in a course or in a direction that ultimately is gonna have dangerous consequences. And here's the thing, you know this already, like for any effective lie to spread and move forward, it's gotta be believable. It's gotta have a little bit of truth in it. Most of what the enemy said was true. You're, you're gonna be awakened. You're gonna see things that you couldn't see before. You're gonna have clarity that you did not have before. All of that was true, but it's all subtle and deceptive. Hey, you're not gonna die. I mean, you're, you, know, you might not die. You're probably gonna die. You're gonna die, but it's not gonna be immediately. And her eyes were opened. Adam's eyes were opened. Sin enters the world. This is a whole nother conversation. Breaks everything. And they're not ashamed, if you know the story, because they're naked. They're ashamed because they recognize shame for the first time. And they are fully known. And they're wondering whether they're fully loved. And a thread of shame and insecurity would make its way into the human race. And no overstatement, at this moment, the world would never be the same again. And here's the thing. What God Eve was not something that she wasn't attracted to, which is the same as you. Like, I'm not going to believe a lie that I don't care about. I'm gonna believe a lie that plays on my desires. I want it, which isn't bad, but the hook is where I start to believe lies around what I want and suddenly there is an opening. And Eve wanted, like a lot of us, to refer back to the beginning, control and security. Like, like she, she was vulnerable in this space. And so verse five, again, God knows that your eyes are gonna be open and you're gonna eat it and you're gonna be like God knowing both good and evil. And she's not like, well, I, yeah, I would like to be worshiped. That's not what she's thinking. She's thinking like all of us, I wanna figure out how to determine my own happiness. I don't, I, don't, I don't like when anything's being withheld from me because how do I know you're not holding out on me, God? How do I know you don't have more for, for me? How do I know that if I pursue this, there's not something better waiting on the other side? It's all about control, it's all about security, and it's that lie of maybe I know best. And maybe I'm gonna figure this out on my own because this is the really, really important thing, go with me for a second, is the enemy will always plant a deceptive idea or a lie and it will always play on distorted desires. Let me explain that for a second. 
good desires that you are tempted to fulfill in illegitimate ways. Legit desires fulfilled in illegitimate ways because everything that God created can be distorted, right? I mean, you know this. Like you can take this beautiful gift, I've talked about this before, of marriage, and all of a sudden it can become a codependent train wreck. You can take the beautiful gift of God's given you kids to raise and to influence, and all of a sudden they become a pursuit of your own identity and you're crushing them under the weight. Legitimate desire, illegitimate way. It is, it is the desire for pleasure, which by the way, not enough airplane church God created. God created sex, God created orgasms, God created all the pleasure in the world. I was probably too far in here, but there we go at the 11 a.m. God created it all, but I'm not, I'm not sorry. God created it all. God created pleasure and all of a sudden pleasure becomes perversion, legitimate desire, illegitimate way. The desire for purpose, legitimate desire, God-given, placed in your heart, and all of a sudden, you're willing to sacrifice things and give up things and move around things in order to get to that because it's a legitimate desire fulfilled in in an illegitimate way. And I just wanna make this case for you. Don't give the enemy more power than he has. Look at scripture. He has no ability to create anything. Give that dude raw materials. He's like, I don't know what to do with this. The only thing he can do is distort what God already created and declared good. And the power in Christ is within your hands of these deceptive ideas and these good desires that become distorted so the enemy can lead you down a road that you don't want to go because it ended up legitimate. But ultimately it led to destructive behaviors or decisions or regrets. Real quick, there was a um, study done back a little while ago that I thought made this point of how we will take really good desires, legit desires, and then we will try to fulfill them in illegitimate ways. And so what they did is they got these people um, in a room and they gave them a die, if you see this, and they would tell them, okay, you're, you're gonna cast the die, but before you do, I want you to think in your mind, top or bottom, kind of like if you're flipping a coin, heads or tails. And so whatever it lands on, if you had top in your mind, okay, the top number's yours. If you had your bottom in your mind, the bottom number is going to be yours. Does that make sense? So they would cast it. All right, this is, I had the top number. And then whatever that number was, they got that amount of money. So if it's a six, like I just rolled, $600. If it's, you know, if I pick bottom up, it's three, $300. And then they would hook them up to a lie detector test. But before they hooked them up to a lie detector test, they realized these people were disproportionately lucky. I mean, three and four, they weren't so lucky. When it was between a six and one, it was amazing how they picked the side with six every single time. Like, these people should go to Vegas tomorrow. It was incredible. They would hook them up to a lie detector, though, and they realized a bunch of them were just, they were lying. Here's the interesting part, though. Then they would change the rules, though, and they're like, okay, here's what we're gonna do now. Same rules, but when you roll, you have top or bottom in your mind. Whatever it lands on, okay, you had top, it's two. Whatever that number is, you're gonna get that amount that's gonna go to charity. Okay, cool. So they did it again. They were exponentially lucky. They never missed. I mean, and when it was a six and a one, they somehow chose the six every single time. And so then they hooked them up to a lie detector and the lie detector stopped working in this study. You know why? Because a lie detector will measure tension. There was no moral tension. There was no dilemma 
There was no fighting. What should we do? Is this right? Does it mean just a, no, it was, this is a legitimate desire. This is a good philanthropy, giving back, helping people. So the means justify the ends, even if the means are lying, lack of integrity, lack of character, somehow it all works out. And so literally they could be hooked up to a lie detector machine and it doesn't detect anything because that's what lies do to you. They deceive you. They distort legitimate desires and they start to lead you down a road that you didn't even want to go. And so there Eve is. And she's had this deceptive idea that led to a distorted desire and she was convinced like we are. And she saw that the tree was beautiful and that the fruit was delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her so she took some of the fruit. She ate it. She took the bait and she ate. And she did it. This is so important. Because on the surface... This is what made sense to her. This is what seemed right. And the enemy's strategy was complete, subtle, deceptive, cunning, strategic idea. Because it all starts with an idea that distorted good desires that God actually gave and then led you to destructive behaviors and decisions that leads you down a path that you don't really want to go. This is why Jesus said this in referencing this story. And this is the, this is the big Jesus part, God part, where if you're a skeptic, you're like, I don't know. But I don't know what other explanation you come up with around why you've let yourself down so many times to your own standards or, or the stuff that happens in the world and the things that you look at across the globe and go, it shouldn't be that way. Like, there's got to be something behind that. Here's, here was Jesus' explanation. There is an enemy. And he's actually real all the way from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, and he is a thief that has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, which is pretty heavy. But like, there's some things in our life, man, that I don't know how you connect the dots without that. And just a little side note that I probably should just keep going, but I'm saying it anyway, because it annoys me so much. Christians so overuse this. Like, I'm getting tired of Christians that blame everything on an enemy because of their own lack of just like, Wow, I had this thing happen financially and I, like Satan's always trying to, no, you've lived above your means for two years. Satan had no hand in that. Like you can't stay on a budget. Stop blaming that on Satan. Pop my tire on the way to small group, always trying to, no, you should have gotten your car maintenance nine months ago. That is not the devil, that's you. So that's just my rant for a second. But like, isn't it true, man, there's those times where it's like, I, as I look back on that one scene, I feel like I robbed myself of my own happiness. Or, or I feel like I killed a dream or reputation because I believed that and it led to this. And then here I am, like picking up the pieces or I feel like I destroyed a marriage or a career. And the issue was because you didn't plan to do that. Like nobody wakes up and goes, I, like I just want to destroy this part of my life starting today. I just, want to, I, just, I just want to start making bad decisions around this today. Nobody means to. You were given a deceptive idea. A lie was planted. And then you believed it. And then we believed it. And it led to destructive behaviors and destructive outcomes. So here's, here's all I want you to do in week one. And this is honestly, some of you are gonna love this because like I'm not even, I'm not asking for like, oh, you need to change your life. That's, that's unrealistic. I'm asking you just answer this question for some of you, like this is the whole game right here. What potential lies 
are you believing? Like what potential lies are you believing? Because for some of us, we haven't even gotten to that place. I get it, you're smart, you're educated, I'm kind of above that. I look at other people and go, what are you thinking? How could you be so stupid? No, no, no. I just want you to look at you for a second because until you're willing to at least admit this could be me, I could be sitting in this seat you have nowhere to, to go but living maybe a next decade of your life being deceived about things that you were never made aware of. What potential lies are you believing? And I get, for some of us, we're like, I don't know. That's, that's the nature of deception. I don't know. It, which is why you have to start to ask the question. Start to be self-aware. And we're gonna talk about it with these big questions for the next three weeks. But is there a potential lie that you are believing and you owe it to yourself to answer the question, Right? I mean, come on, even if you, it comes back, I'm like, no, man, I'm on point. And like every area, like it's true, I'm true. Like I, but you owe it to yourself to ask because the thing, man, that just feels like a weight sometimes to me is that I don't wanna base a life-altering decision on something that just wasn't reality. It just wasn't true. It just wasn't real, and I know me. Like I know, I know my susceptibility to, to be deceived and like, my marriage could be at stake. My relationship with my adult kids could be at stake. A career could be at stake. Your dreams could be at stake. Your faith could be at stake. So like you owe it to yourself to answer the question, what potential lies am I believing? Because here's what's easy to do for all of us. And I just want you to consider this for a second. It is easy to base massive decisions and priorities in your life off of what you want to be true off of what you feel should be true, off, off of what makes the most sense to you. And here's the thing I would just tell you. Like, it doesn't matter how much you want something to be true, how much you feel it, how much you think that that's right, how much it just, all those dots connect in your mind. It doesn't matter how much you feel it. If it's not true, if it's not reality, you're not gonna bend the arc of reality. Like, I'll give you a dumb example, but at 13, I was positive that I was gonna be an NBA point guard. And you don't have to snicker that hard wherever that came from on the right side. But like, I thought that, and I'm not overstating this, I thought that was true. I thought that made the most sense for my life. It's gonna happen. But come on, because I thought it was true, it was gonna happen, did not bend the arc of reality of my five foot seven frame that is built more like a horse jockey than an NBA point guard. Like, didn't change anything, even though I felt it and thought it was true. And the same is true of you. I don't care how much you feel it. I don't care how much it makes sense to you. There has got to be, I know this is another whole series of believing there actually is truth and reality, but if there is any kind of truth or reality, it doesn't matter about any of those things. If it's not reality, you're not bending its arc. And you're not gonna be different because here's the big lie that we tell ourselves is, well, somehow, like, I'll, you know, I'll believe this thing. I'm not 100% sure, but I'll be different. I'm unique. My situation is unique. I'll circumvent the consequences. You won't. And come on, isn't it true that part of the, the difficulty with this is a lot of the deceptive ideas that lead to distorted desires that, that ultimately end up in destructive decisions and behaviors, they're normalized and reinforced in the cultural majority thinking around us. And I'm not even just talking about whatever your view is, oh, the people out there don't believe what I believe. I'm talking about other people who believe exactly what you believe. And there's behaviors that are just normalized and the more you hear it and the more you see it on display, the more you believe it. And then you look around and you have trouble answering the question of like, every, 
but he couldn't be wrong. Could they? And you start to move in the, the direction of cultural majority thinking that just reinforces lies that you're already believing because so many other people are believing the same lies. And come on, you can make a bad decision and find a million people to agree with you. And so, and the other thing, and I'm gonna get ready to close, but I'll just, I don't know, twist the knife just that. Some of you, let's be honest though, some of you, you know. I mean, you know. In the words of the Lyrical poet, Billie Eilish. (laughs) You want to do what you want when you want to do it. And you know and you don't care. Or you know and you don't really want to admit it. I I like, this is kind of a funny story, but like this uh, friend of mine had a guy he was sitting down with and he had this like huge, you know, these huge Bibles. And he opened it up, had all these highlights. And this guy was just struggling with a bunch of bad decisions, lies, all that. He had all these highlights. And the friend of mine is like, what, what are all these highlights? He's like, well, there are a lot of different things, a lot of my research. and whatever. He's like, I'll tell you what the green highlights are. Um, those are the highlights of all of the verses that I found justifying the affair that I had. Really? And again, that's not a, like, you know, people have made decisions and, you know, but I think even people are like, you know, maybe not following Jesus. Like, I don't know that's healthy for your relationships and marriage. And then to find verses around it, because what, of, what are all of us susceptible to? Is that like, you can go searching for what you're trying to find and you can find validation and you can actually create narratives in your own mind and then believe those narratives, even if they are not true, even if it's a lie. So I say all that to say that you have to answer the question, what potential lies am I believing that literally are the foundation of decisions I'm making, relationships that I'm conducting, areas where my life is heading and it may not be reality, it may not be true. And I don't wanna get to the end of my life and see what I've seen in other people around me because I always have crystal clear insight about others that I lived in a direction that didn't match up with what was best for my life. And I, not the evil of culture, I undermine my own peace my own happiness, my own dreams, my own faith, what God wanted to do in my life. And so I just, I just wanna, as we go forward in this series, I just want you to ask that one question. And then over the next several weeks, you gotta start to think about, so where do we go from here? What can we trust and who can we trust? And I know this is like, oh, this is the Jesus part. This is the, what I'd expect you to say. My hope is that maybe you'd reconsider Jesus. And to quote St. Augustine, like the, the greatest kind of enemy to our following him is just this idea that he's trying to steal our happiness rather than add to it. That what he has when he says, I want you to follow me is life to the full. And how many times do we not believe that where we will make decisions completely contrary to what we feel like he's prompting and leading us to? Because on the front end, it doesn't make sense to us. Something else makes more sense to us. And sometimes that makes us so vulnerable to actually filling in the gap with something we want to be true, even if it's not true. And so I just want you to reconsider Jesus who said this, and this is a statement, I just wanna make it clear, makes Jesus a lunatic or the son of God. What's crazy about him if you're a skeptic is he just didn't give any middle, middle ground because he said things like this, I'm the way. I'm not pointing to the way. I'm not asking you to believe in the way in terms of some teaching, I, I am the way. And I am the truth. 
I am the source of what's real about life and I am the life. How to live life, how to find fulfillment in life, how to maximize pleasure and happiness in life. All that God wants to do in you, not gonna be perfect, not gonna be pain-free, but what I have for you is better than anything that you want that's making you vulnerable to the lies in your life that's leading you down paths that you didn't wanna go. And so I get it, man. For some of you, the Jesus thing, whatever, that's what I expect you to say. But I, I, just, I want you to just look at it. Look, what, what are you leaning into? Because every single one of us has been wired to lean into something. You, your ability to reason, your logic, politics, science. Like what's the thing that is kind of your your litmus test, your directional force when it comes to making sense of the world, about how you should live it, about culture. Like, what, what do you rest in when it just comes to that place? Like, what's true? What's real? What works? And in regard to sex and relationships and my marriage and business and money and my priorities and what I want to do with the next decade of my life, like, what do I lean into? And then I just, I want to just ask you this, a lot of questions, but Whatever that answer is for you, I say this with all the love in the world, whatever that thing is, if it's you, it's logic, it's whatever else, how's that working for you? Like, how's that going? And maybe it's going great, then keep rolling with that. But how's that working for you? And I get this is, for some of you, this is way over spiritual, but it's, it's my hope for the next couple weeks, we'll look at these biggest questions around what's reliable in terms of life. And my hope is that some of you, maybe for the first time, first time in a long time, you would take Jesus seriously when he says this to you. I am not after stealing your joy. I'm not after wrecking your contentment and your peace. I am not after undermining your life. What I'm offering you is counterintuitive. It doesn't always make sense. It's countercultural, but I'm telling you, it is the way, it is the truth, it is the life. And I'm hoping that some of you will come to the place to receive my invitation, Jesus would say, follow me. Trust me. So all over the house, would you just pray with me if you don't mind or if, this is all new to you, just out of respect for people around you. I'd invite you into this if you're listening via radio right now, you're podcasting somewhere. God, do your thing in this moment. I did not step on the stage to do a talk or just a deliver a message that was well-received or drop some anecdotes that really don't have any lasting impact in our life. So I don't know how this is gonna hit, but I pray that you would do what you promised to do. I pray that you would move in hearts. And in some cases, in individuals and people that like there's so much resistance, I can't even imagine everything that's represented in here. Online, thousands of people via radio, the hurt that's been experienced in Jesus' name, the manipulation, the abuse, the ways that they have been lied to, all of the obstacles that get in the way. I can't do anything about that, but you can. And so I pray by the power of your spirit, you'd begin to tear down some of those obstacles, some of those legitimate resistances, and that you would maybe for the first time lead them to get some kind of glimpse of who Jesus is. how good he is and that what you're inviting us into it's good 
and it's been declared and created good from the very beginning. And this might be the marker, this may be the catalytic moment where we stop allowing the enemy to bait us into lies and to distort what you have already created as good to lead to destructive behaviors. And if we are already there right now, I pray that people would hear this, that with open arms, you are inviting them back to say, I'm not here to punish you. I am here to receive you back and I love you. And it's why I came. And so do your thing and you're in this moment by the power of your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus, incredible, life-changing name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.